everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Podcast. We appreciate you being here. Appreciate you supporting the people that support us. Uh, again, as I always recommend you all, if you have any guests that uh, you'd wish us to interview, please send that over to contact at drdrew.com. And uh, today is no exception. This was a highly recommended guest, and I'm so glad we were able to arrange this. Dr. Adam Goldstein, he is a physician in Israel. He's got several very interesting initiatives underway. I'm not going to speak about on his behalf. I want to hear it straight out of his mouth. Uh, Dr. Goldstein, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So one of the th- I want to get into this article you wrote recently beneath the white coats but before we do that I want to talk about your initiative about bringing Palestinians and Israelis together. Um so you know I'm a I'm a trauma surgeon and uh, in trauma surgery uh, you know we're usually we see all the all the bad stuff in in life and all the accidents and all the violence and uh you know we don't care who they are where they come from or what religion or you know what they do for fun you know we're just trying to stop them from dying in the the couple minutes that we have so you know i thought it would be a good good place to start to kind of rebuild the human nature and humanity between uh, two people with a lot of politics and a lot of uh, junk in between um, stopping us from just living normal and healthy lives. I have heard, you tell I've never been to Israel, so my apologies for only having hearsay. You have to, you have uh, yeah. to come. I know, I know I do. Uh, I, I do, and, and I'm a, you know, I try to be a student of history, too, and to have not visited some of those sites is just ridiculous. But, but I've heard that outside of the West Bank, there is a lot of unity and and sort of openness to uh, all types in Israel proper. Am I hearing that wrong or is that still under stress or is the current administration challenging that? What's going on? Look, you know, I, uh, you know, I love medicine because it allows us to say, uh, uh, excuse my French, but screw you to politics. And so, (laughs) um, you know, obviously all the, everyone has different perspectives and I, you know, I can talk, you know, I grew up in America. I came in when I was 18 and, you know, my perspective is different, very different than, you know, you know, people living in different places. Uh, may it be uh, the Palestinian communities, may it be the Northern communities anywhere. Um, but, you know, the reality day to day anywhere, you know, is, is very, you know, people, you know, really just want to be healthy, have work, yeah. Yeah. have love, have a family. And, uh, of course. and so, the day-to-day where, you know, we try to, you know, we don't really think about what's uh, blasting over the, the news. That being said, though, you know, I, it's 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 hard to say that there are no issues. It's hard to say that, you know, um, you know we're far from paradise if uh, you could even say we're, we're moving towards the opposite. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm also... You know, it's 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 there's no real answer, you know, and everyone has a different yeah. perspective and it's not yeah. it's not fair to, you know, give an answer to that's kind of what you know, I that thought. Makes sense that, that, yes, you know? it makes a lot of sense. It's like I was I was listening I'm listening to a particular perspective is what you're saying. And of course perspectival you know, sort of firsthand uh, accounts are always biased in one way or another. And I I I look at these things accordingly. You know, it was Dr. Hotez that uh, that recommended you to us. How do you know Peter Hotez? He, you know, I grew up in Washington D.C. and my my dad's an academic uh, at George Washington, and uh, and they they were they were friends. Uh, and my dad is a is a, is a lot older than him, but um, uh, and so we, you know, he became he came into my life very early, and he's a very interesting guy, a really yeah. nice uh, yeah. guy, and obviously he's he's doing some good stuff. He, he is. I, he, I, I, had a, I had a very nice interview with him, and I walked away and I went, oh, there is one thing, though. And you, you tell me if I'm off base on this. He was very concerned about uh, some of the longer-term effects of uh, acute COVID, P- particularly he was, he was thinking about Alpha and Delta at the time, which was legitimate. Yeah. But I thought to myself, oh, he's a pediatrician. He doesn't understand that a lot of these things happen in adult medicine all the time, and people get better from them. <laughs> I thought, wow. We have... And then I then I started looked at the landscape of public health in this country, and I thought, oh, they're all pediatricians. They, these are not people. You know what I mean? They don't make adult medicine no. decisions, and so they're freaking out about things that you and I wouldn't freak out about at all. We just go, blah, 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 blah. we got other things to worry about: <laughs> aging and cancer and heart disease and things that are coming on, down the pike anyway. 
uh, but anyway, um, but he was a delightful man, a delightful interview, and I, I, I you know, support him. Uh, and I know people. He's he's in a lot of weird stuff, you know, since the Joe Rogan interview and things. And I thought a lot of that was unfair. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so your dad was an academic in what field? Uh, he's a biochemist. He was uh, he was uh, he likes to say he was uh, he's a mouse surgeon. <laughs> That's really funny. And so, where were you trained in medicine? I trained. I studied in Ben Gurion, which is a university in the south of Israel, in the in the middle of the desert in the Negev. And uh, you know, I did all my residency in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I came here. Yeah, I've been here. I did all my training here because you know, one of my, I wanted to be a, a doctor from here. You know, I wanted to, uh, you know, when I go, I do a lot of work abroad, and when I go abroad, I wanted, you know, to, you know, I wanted to kind of. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I'm seen as something that, that has a good uh, um, want and desire. And so, you know, also I want to represent, um, you know, everyone kind of represents where they come from. And uh, yeah. if you don't think about that, you can be uh, a real, you know, um, you can kind of give it un you can kind of subconsciously uh, or not uh, um, not on purpose give a bad representation of where you're coming from. Sure. So sure. You know, it's important for me to you know, be trained in this place and come from this place. And, and, uh, you know, therefore, you know, whatever I can do can say, you know, I don't care if they know my name, but they, Hey, that, you know, that was that doctor from Israel who did this and that. And yeah. you know, hopefully uh, more yeah. positive than negative. That's good. Is your family of origin, are they from the region? No, they, you know, my dad was born in uh, this, uh, the beautiful city of uh, Staten Island or beautiful <laughs> uh, suburb of Staten Island. And, um, <laughs> is, that, is that where you grew up and, to 18? <laughs> Uh, no, I grew up in D.C., but he was born and raised there. And uh, my mom's from Houston, Texas, and they met in uh, in Galveston. And uh, but then they moved to D.C., and I was born in D.C. How, how did you get the attachment to Israel? You know, I don't know. You know, my family's not very religious. Um, you know, my dad he came here to work when I was six years old, and it's always been, you know, kind of in the you know, a subject. And uh, it's always, you know, and for some reason, I, I came here a couple of times in high school. And, you know, I just felt, you know, more at home here than I did in America. And, uh, oh, that's you know, interesting. kind of where I wanted, you know, as much as uh, the dumb fire that this place is, sometimes I wanted to, <laughs> you know, make my home here. And uh, it's not it's not this it's not this dump fire, dumpster fire over here, is it? Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is uh, well underway. Do you, you must <laughs> you, did you speak Hebrew at the time? No, no, I, you know, oh I learned boy. the oh the boy. kind of, uh, yeah, I, le- I learned uh, uh, the kind of the uh, bar mitzvah Hebrew when I was 13. And then, okay. and then I, I, I got kind of thrown in and I threw it as, I learned it as fast as I could when I came here. So Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I was a friend of mine, actually a roommate of mine was, uh, went to medical school in France and I was over there and I'm, you know, I'm, I got pretty capable in French, but I started thinking, oh man, doing medical school in French, that's a whole next order thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stakes and things are happening fast and you better understand what the hell is going on. And those residents yeah. screaming at you, you better understand what they said. So how did you get to trauma surgery? And, and talk to me about that sort of journey, because just for people that don't know, really trauma surgery is top of the heap, right? I mean, there's the, well, who is at the top of the sort of medical subspecialty or specialty hierarchy changes with time. You know, sometimes it's Sometimes it's chest surgery, sometimes it's ENT, but trauma surgery has really been there pretty consistently. Tell me about your journey there. Uh, look, I tell I tell all my students and residents, I say to go with your personality. So uh, for me, per, and to what they go to residency, because I really think it, it has to be your life and not not like uh, not like your work, or else you'll be miserable. And so, yeah. um, you know, my personality, I you know, I thought about maybe pediatrics. I like kids, but uh, you know, surgery. I you know, I like working with my hands. I like standing up. I, I, I you know, I'm talking a lot now, but I usually don't talk so much. You know, I, yeah. I usually yeah. mumble and. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, I like, you know, I like seeing a problem and being able to fix it. And, yeah. and it's, you know, I don't like sitting down a lot. I have a stand up uh, desk behind me. And yeah. so just kind of the physical aspect and also the trauma surgery, it's, it's, it's a little bit masochistic, you know, or maybe a little the, the understatement, but you really, you know, you're getting something in front of you and you have no idea where they're dying from. You have no idea yeah. what's causing him to suffer or her to suffer. And so yeah. it's, you know, you have to work very fast and it, it, you have to know, uh, you have to be a technician uh, enough to stop the bleeding from anywhere. And so, you know, that I really, uh, I like the challenge. I like the, I get bored easy. Uh, and so I like, uh, 
you know, I like the fact that you never know really what's going to happen. Uh, um, and I, you know, I love surgery. I love, you know, seeing a problem and being able to take it out. And, and even in the bigger picture, I think it's, I think it's public health. I think it's really, uh, you know, it's just like primary care uh, yeah. surgery. And so it, it gives me the, the, the opportunity to really look at, you know, building a system, the trauma system. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is, 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 is also a huge part. You know, we're not the most technically advanced surgeons, you know, the vascular surgeons or the, um, the pedobiliary surgeons, you know, those guys and girls are very, um, you know, very technically advanced and they're very good uh, manually. And so, you know, a big part of our job, though, is building a system. You know, I work with the ambulance all the time. I work with the medics. And um, so, yeah, that's in, in short, I guess. It's, it's really interesting to hear you say that about uh, not just your personality, but things like standing and stuff. Because one of the reasons I didn't like surgery, I don't like standing. My back hurts. My, gla- <laughs> my glasses start sliding down my face. I hate, I yeah. hate masks. I hate all of it. I hate gowns. I hate, I hate the whole thing. And so while I find it interesting when I was in the surgical field, the procedural aspects of it around that were just like, oh, I don't like it. And, and there's also peers, too. you got to like the peers. I, I, a friend yeah. of mine is a urologist. And you're all just a very jovial, nice people. And he goes, yeah, yeah I, like, fun, I, I, I like the, I liked everybody that was in urology. And I thought, oh, that's, I, I wasn't, I didn't actually think about that when I was uh, making choices. I, it, what I, what happened to me was every rotation I went to, I wanted to be that. It was just like uh, a neurosurgeon, <laughs> me, gynecologist, me, you know, pediatrician, well, pediatrician was one thing I could, cause I, 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 I find sick kids too painful. It's just too painful for me to, to witness. And, and, um, yeah. And then I got to general medicine at the end. It was my last rotation. And I thought, oh, right, that's why I became a doctor. I wanted to be able just to, you know, do, take care of people <clears throat> in a general sense, just you, your dad, whatever. I just want to be able to take care of everybody. You've heard me talking about Enterra Skin Care. Unlock that secret to great skin and hair. Look no further. They've got a great line of products. First up, the Folliton Hair Regrowth Serum. Hair loss woes, not no more. And the ultimate solution for rejuvenating your skin, their Platinum Restore Serum. Get rid of those crow's feet and dark circles. Intera Skin Cure does not stop there. They've also got the Platinum Silk and Hair Body Oil. It's a transformative elixir. As well as if you're looking for targeted results with added moisturizing, they've got the Sapphire Lux Firming Serum. It's all there for you. And finally, the remarkable Sapphire Lux Cream. Not just another moisturizer, it's a healing elixir that promotes deep hydration and repair. So why wait? Experience the magic of Intera Skincare today and say hello to a more radiant you. Visit their website at Intera Skincare. That's E-N-T-E-R-A. Intera Skincare, one word, to explore their full range of products and start your journey to healthier skin and hair. Don't miss out on the incredible opportunity to transform your beauty routine. Use promo code DREW for 10% off at checkout. That's code DREW, D-R-E-W, for 10% off at EnteraSkincare.com. Intera Skincare, where beauty meets science. Get ready to shine. Uh, the other thing that, that you know, uh, two two other points is, I, I I'm not around uh, trauma surgery in action very much, and I was about probably about twelve, fourteen years ago. My dad uh, my dad had vascular disease, and he was on multiple blood thinners mm-hmm. and split his lip playing tennis, and I had mm-hmm. to sit in there and hold hold pressure on his lip because the ER was too busy. And in the same room, a trauma rolled in. <clears throat> A guy that was a car fell. He was under his car and it fell on top of him, right? And had been there for like 15 minutes or something. And I just thought, oh, come on, forget it, forget it. And I heard the trauma surgeon just going and going and driving and more and more problem solving and more in the fourth chest tube and the fifth chest tube. And the, the next uh, sort of bleeder was found. And, and I thought, this is hopeless. And I talked to the surgeon about a month later, because I was like, "Dude, I, I heard you was going on." I, just, no, I didn't want anyone. That did not sound good to me. And he goes, "Yeah, the guy's okay now. He's, uh, you know, he's not <laughs> great, but but he made it." You know, and I thought, I thought, "Wow, I I, I would have given up halfway." <laughs> I would have thought, "Let's call it. This is just not going to go anywhere." But that kind of not giving up, I think, is part of being a trauma surgeon, isn't it? Just keep solving problems. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's always you know you're in the middle of it, and you've seen these you know one or two or you know two percent, three percent that actually walk home that really weren't yeah. supposed to walk home. Yeah, and those those are what stick with you, and then yeah, so you yeah. say you see this you know critically ill person and you're giving them hundreds of units of blood products yep. and you're you know if you think about the public health and the you know we're in a shortage of blood in almost any major cities in a shortage of blood and you're using it on you know one person with maybe a two three percent chance to live it you know it doesn't make sense but yeah and you know and you also you don't forget the all the you know the families you have to tell that you know you know their daughter or son you know yeah. didn't make it and all that stuff yeah. and uh so it's 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 uh it's yeah, a it's challenge. I, I I yeah I, you know I worked in addiction medicine for many many years and it was that same phenomenon of the surprises and how well they do that gives you hope for everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you can't call, you can't really call it until you've done what you need to do. You just got to do your job. Now the other thing you just brought up was your problem solving in the surgical field and and something really interesting happened during COVID that I observed which was that my medical colleagues during COVID froze. They froze in place, right? They stopped making decisions. They started taking direction from on high. And every surgeon I knew started calling me going, hey, you trying this? You trying that? I tried this. What about this? What about that? They kept improvising. They kept trying stuff quietly. They didn't, they didn't, and they didn't. And I thought, oh, of course. You, we're so used to in medicine being fucking dictated to frankly from administrators and insurance companies and stuff we just immediately fall in line when somebody says don't do that we just go oh, okay while surgeons are used to nobody can interfere with your decision making when this when you're in the surgical field they can't do it they'd love to find a way i'm sure but they don't uh and so i thought oh yeah they 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 don't take direction they they solve problems did you see that too during covid yeah, look, the whole system between Israel and America is very different in terms of the socialized medicine and who's you know giving orders from above. But again, it's 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 just our mentality. Like you know, we see it, we see this patient, and we you know, if we have a way to solve the problem that's you know obviously ethical and within the limits, yeah. we we do everything we can to do it. And uh, um, you know, if that. And it, I don't know, like if you, if you, I always kind of believe if you're doing the right thing, uh, you know, you might get yelled at, but you, you know, you won't get in trouble uh, if that's really what the person needed. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, I guess, I guess everyone was kind of shut down and following orders and, you know, constrained within boxes. But again, you know, a trauma comes in during the height of COVID, you know, and we don't have time to, you know, put the mask on exactly or, you know, yeah. double glove or whatever right. the rules were. Yeah. You know, we, we, we don't stop. We don't. Uh, so that uh, it was an interesting uh, time. Uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, it was weird and uh, uncanny. But you <laughs> mentioned how how uh, things are different there. How are they different? Uh, look, I mean, that, it's a, you know, it's, it's socialized medicine. So theoretically, you're, you're born and you have, uh, you have health care. Uh, and the health care actually is very, very, very good. You know, I trained, I did my fellowship in America, and I grew up in America. And obviously, the health care in America is very good. But, the, um, you know, you're born and, you know, with paying about, I don't know if it's, you know, three to $10 a month, um, you're fully covered. And uh, um, again, sometimes you have to wait a little bit. It's not, uh, um, you know, it's not on demand, but it's still, you know, our life expectancy is, I think, it's a few few years better than America. You know, we're we're a very healthy population in general. So, are there two you know, it's tiers? A real gift. Is it two tiers or one tier? In other words, is there a private option? Yeah. So yeah. So the, everyone's born to socialize, and there, and you know, every year the private, uh, the private uh, option is getting more and more. And so uh, that's a whole other debate. If that's you know weakening the the beautiful gem of socialized medicine that we have, if that continues to weaken it, or you know, but obviously you know people want private medicine; they should be able to get it. That's another question. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm far from an expert on that stuff, but uh, you know, from I, I really like working in our system because I really appreciate it, and you know, I think what you know for it works so well also because it's such a small country and it's a lot easier to manage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you compare it to, you know, you know, however million people somewhere else, it's, it, it would be a lot more challenging, but how many millions? Of it's, Israel? A, it's a gem. And, and how many live in Israel? Huh? How many people live in Israel? So we're about, uh, we're about 8 million, 8 million. Yeah. So it's like Los Angeles. Yeah. It's like LA County. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. 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 So, but uh, you know, it, it's yeah. interesting. I don't know if you know this, this game that that's played here. These ins- the insurance companies have uncanny powers, and, and you you said 
you know, you get yelled at, but you did the right thing. It's not, it doesn't stop there in this country. So here's how it works here. So I, I do the right thing. Uh, I keep somebody in the hospital longer. Uh, the insurance company doesn't pay. I make a complaint to the insurance company. They go, oh, you're a troublemaker, doctor. And I then I make a complaint to the insurance commissioner of the state. They go, oh, you are really a troublemaker, Dr. Pinsky. I'll tell you what, we are no longer going to do business with you. In fact, we're going to decertify the whole hospital. And then the hospital comes down on the doctor like a, like you can't even believe, of course. And uh, that's the game they play to get their way. And And then if you discharge somebody consistent with their demands, and that person kills themselves or doesn't does poorly. They go, "What? Well, we we don't practice medicine. We, th- there's Dr. Pinsky's name right there on the discharge. We don't. What what uh, what's he talking about? It's it's people don't appreciate how bad it is here that way. So you, you I'm I'm again. I'm sure I'm singing to the choir on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I hope we don't get to that. You know, it's, uh, we're very lucky for what we have. I think we're maybe not heading in the in the right direction, but it's it's a real gift what we have that we don't. You don't have to play those games. We have other games, but yeah, yeah. Tell me about that article beneath the white coats. Um, look, that was a that was a it was a white coat speech for new the, the white coat ceremony um, that it started I think in Chicago actually, and it's uh, um, to kind of initiate the, the new students for. Um, for uh, becoming their their path to becoming a physician, yes. and uh, and they asked me that it's where I went to school, and they asked me to to um, to give the speech this year, the, Wait, the where, year and a half ago. Where'd you go to school? Uh, ben, ben Gurion. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, got it. Uh, got it. And um, and so I, I gave it, and I really, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, how many, you know, hundreds of speeches have I heard in my my life and my you know academic life, and how many really stick with me? And I so I just went really uh. Uh, balls to the wall and I really just you know spilled my guts and wanted to uh, you know it was almost like a therapy session I really just wanted to say what I really felt and you know let them hear it and maybe something would rub off on them well tell people what's in there uh, look, I talk about how really um, there's no, you know, I don't see there's much of a separation from uh, life and work. Uh, uh, as you know, in the speech, I talk about being divorced twice, and you know, I have a I have a kid from each uh, uh, marriage. You know, my, the most amazing kids, and um, you know, I got divorced twice, so you get the you get advice to start going to therapy, and uh, and all you know, all surgeons you know need therapy. We're all screwed up, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I start going to therapy, and they, you know, she starts telling me um that you really need to divide your life and work you know you have work you have your whatever hour to hour and then you go home and you don't and i just I, you know i tried like being a good uh i guess there how do you say patient therapy yeah patient, patient yeah. <laughs> okay, i know sorry. it's a hard word for you to <laughs> spit out the word, the word can come out and um <laughs> and i try and i but i just i i kept on thinking about it I just i couldn't I just couldn't grasp how that would be okay. And, yeah. you know, especially for, you know, it's, it's really, and again, you should have a personal life. You know, obviously I was shit at making the boundaries and, uh, yeah. you know, something I need to do better at, but, and, um, and so, but it's just in terms of taking care of people and having their, their lives depend on you. And, um, you know, again, not, the natural course and people know their bodies more than anything you know surgeons we we just try not to mess it up more and uh yeah. and so just the, but the the separation i just couldn't understand so i really came to the conclusion that i i really don't think you should you should have to separate life and work and really if you want to be i'm not saying i'm uh, you know I, I say i feel happy and i feel very privileged and lucky you know but um you know kind of what i said about the personality at the beginning is uh you really just you you do what you love and you, you follow that you know I think you know uh, I think that's where you're gonna be the best physician and be the best uh, person you can be. Well, let's let's dig a little deeper into that because I I agree with you uh, that to do this job properly, you have to be doing it all the time. Like I mean, all the time. And I did that for about fifteen years, almost twenty, and. Stayed married during it. I don't know how she survived that time. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> we know she got through that because it's it wasn't fair to her, and she complained a lot of the time. My wife, but still was you know we had triplets, and she was you know in survival mode with that as we both were, and so I wasn't noticed so much that I was getting up at five in the morning, coming home at ten at night, and working eight hours on my weekends off, uh, and. and 
And I just, like you, I couldn't imagine doing it other, any other way. And, and I'm actually, in retrospect, it, it had to, it's, it's a young, how old are you now? I'm 43. It, it's sort of a young person's endeavor. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting, mm-hmm. by, by the time I was in my mid to late 40s, I, I started letting th- certain things go and uh, found I could. Yeah. But it took me took me 10, 15 years to whittle things down. I mean, it wasn't like one day you can let go of this stuff. You know, it's your your people are relying on you and are used to you being the one that's there. I had the pleasure of interviewing Angelo Keeley from Keon Aminos, and I suggest you take a listen to it. Uh, If you're feeling confused about what it takes to build muscle, or perhaps you're in an older age group and you're worried about maintaining muscle mass, Keon is a great solution. I was introduced to Keon Aminos by uh, Angelo, and I try to take Keon every day. It's a great way to maintain muscle mass, and certainly one of the most important things for longevity is vigorous exercise and maintaining muscle mass. Their essential amino acids are backed by 20 years of clinical research. They taste great with all natural flavors, non-GMO, sugar-free, 100% vegan. And I'm a huge fan, of course, of products that can help uh, make workout more efficient, maintain muscle mass. And also say goodbye to those three in the afternoon slumps and you can finish off your day with natural lasting energy if you check out Keon Aminos. And to save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases, go to GetKeon, it's one word, G-E-T-K-I-O-N dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, G-E-T-K-I-O-N dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W to get the fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. You're about to hear a preview of one of my favorite stories on the Jordan Harbinger show with Megan Phelps Roper. She used to belong to one of the most hateful religious cults in America, the Westboro Baptist Church. She was born into this church and later escaped. To hear her tell the story firsthand is really incredible. I started protesting when I was five years old. Even at that first picket, there was a sign that said, gays are worthy of death. So God hates fags is what Westboro's message that we became known for. We were the good guys, and everyone outside the church was evil and going to hell, and we had the only message that would bring the world any hope. We had to go and warn people, these terrible things are happening, and if you want this pain to stop, then you have to change, because God isn't going to change. It brings me incredible sadness to think about now. I can't do this forever. And then that email came in, and and we left. For more with Megan, including the details of her harrowing experience, check out episode 302 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. The the other thing that, I don't know if you talked about this in your speech, I didn't catch it, but I have, because I was doing all that, and I was doing it in two different environments, three different environments. I was doing outpatient medicine, inpatient, and ICU medicine back in the days when the internists could do ICU before there was such a thing as a hospitalist or an intensivist. Those things didn't exist. I did all that. <clears throat> and then I worked in a psychiatric hospital, and then I ran their addiction services. And as a result, I saw everything. And I had this very rich experience <clears throat> that can't be had any other way except than doing it constantly it just there was just no other way and now i can sit back and give it give it back now i can calm down and give let somebody your age handle handle the work it took me 15 years to unwind it but i I, but i but as a result I, i had this this incredible window into the human experience that nobody because they're doing it nine to five right now you can't get that you can't have it so I don't understand how people, our peers, even develop their judgment if they're not doing the crazy hours. Do, do you have a similar feeling? Yeah, it's you know it's a it's a real privilege to what we're doing. And, yeah, you know, to see yeah. a, a total a total stranger, you know, who might be the toughest person in the world or the most important person in the world, become a thousand percent vulnerable in the in the matter of a second and yeah. you know uh it's it's a, it's a huge huge privilege and window into these people's lives that you know uh, i feel lucky you know every day you know being able to do this and uh, and uh 
if you don't live it, it's, it's hard to understand. And uh, and again, what we're doing, honestly, I don't feel it's any you know better or more important than a than a carpenter. If the you know if the carpenter loves uh, his or her job and they love doing it and they're happy, and it's not you know what we're doing is is uh, you know is is a is a we're technicians and we just you know the fear of you know whatever Viking God was in me every second because the the you know the 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 fact that you know one little mistake somebody can die or somebody can suffer or someone has to have a you know limp for the rest of their lives because of a you know something I could have done better you know that's what drives me and that you know that fear is what what keeps you going and to have the on the other hand to have the to even be in this position is is, is pure luck and pure uh, privilege that's interesting that you mentioned fear. I've not given a lot of thought to that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So I want to dig into that a little bit. Before I do, though, but but the other point I was trying to make was is that when you were there making those decisions, you need to have had so much experience. It has to be informed by yeah. experience, a lot of experience. And this goes back to what I was saying about not giving up and making those decisions, decisions, decisions. Mm-hmm. That, that's because you've been there a, a thousand times before and it, it's not people. People have great misunderstanding about how medicine works. You're not scrolling through a bunch of differentials or a bunch of technical descriptions in your head. You're reacting with your judgment based on your extensive experience, not not your extensive knowledge. The knowledge goes without saying. Mm. The experience is what informs the moments and and creates the judgment. And you see you see us for our judgment. And again, I, I don't I don't understand how the judgment is developed to where I would be satisfied if you're having that work <laughs> that work home divide. I, I don't I, I I it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of medicine. It seems to me. Yeah, and it's uh, you know again, and uh, that fear is also saying to you, you know, I need to stay later to do an extra appendix, to yeah. do an extra, yeah. you know, perianalapsis or whatever it is, because every yeah. suture, every stitch I put in, I'm going to be better for it. And again, yeah. it's just technically, and that's you know that's that's exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, the with the the mental component and also the the technical component with your hands, it's, a, it's that's the difference. Well, let's let's unpack our fear because I, I, I had not really thought about it, but I, I had a little bit of, not a little bit, a pretty good dose. I thought it was, when I was thinking about it, it felt like obsessive compulsiveness. You know what I mean? That kind of fear, like fear of making a mistake. So so I'd be compulsive and I'd double check and I'd triple check and I'd quadruple check. And and that OCD quality helped me. It was, it, you know, made sure I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but, but there was another fear too. And I never really thought about it to this moment, and it's kind of a fear of—I'm going to use a strong word that really is not accurate, but a fear of incompetence or something like it, right? You know, a fear of not being as good as you can be, right? The, the, the harshest yeah. way to say it would be fear of incompetence, but it's not being the the best, right? You you want to be the yeah. best for your patients. Look, you, I always say to my residents, also, you know, it doesn't matter who the, you know, the. Uh, the criminal or the homeless person or the the lawyer or the doctors in front of you you want to treat them like you'd want your family treated and so it's a fear of, yeah it's a fear of of giving subadequate care why does someone who comes to you know doctor x um you know get a better treatment than someone who comes yeah. to doctor y why does why does one deserve a better treatment so yeah. it's that it's it's that fear to be the best you can yeah it's interesting i i don't think a lot of our peers have that right now. I, I, I don't know. They feel more rotish, a little bit rote at what they're doing. I, I'm sure they they care, but it still is a little bit kind of. Yeah, I I don't get it. I, I it's it, the, the the lack of prioritization of the person in front of you over everything else seems to lack. Seems to be diminished these days. Yeah, and it's hard though, because then you think like, oh, you know, why should I stay for an extra appendix when I can go home and spend, uh, uh, you know, another two hours with my girlfriend or my wife or my kid? It's, you know, yeah. then you're like, and then from the outside, you know, from a different perspective, somebody can look at me like, why? What an asshole! What? A, like, yeah. what is he doing? You know? And it's, yeah. um, so it's. Uh, well, the people around us suffer. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, the generations before us would say things like, you know, medicine is a terrible mistress, you know, all this kind of stuff. And yet it was sort of more endorsed, and now it's not endorsed. <laughs> now it's like an exception. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I I don't know which is right. I just know that you and I have experienced something kind of interesting that I, I value. I, I value it. And I, the other thing yeah. is uh, risk reward analysis. Uh, I don't think we are. I don't know. That's back to experience, you know. And, and I I was always when I was training residents, I, I would always say, uh, you know, give me your reasoning, show me the data, give me some some supportive literature, mm-hmm. and uh, and then what if you're wrong? What if you made the wrong call? I don't care. I, I don't care if you're going to make the wrong call, but you sure as no. hell better have a backup plan. So what is your backup plan and what did you do when this started to not work? And you'd be amazed how many people don't have a backup plan or, or don't even they ignore no. when things don't work because they don't want to sort of accept it. And that, that's a huge problem. You know, ego, you know, I, I always say the most dangerous thing is a, is a surgeon who who never thinks they need help. You know, the, I think the best surgeons and the, the, the people I respect the most, you know, these mentors I've had, you know, they know when to call for an extra hand. It's not it's not yeah. that they're calling someone better than them. They just want another set of eyes, another, you know, someone who's experienced, uh, like what you said, all about experience. And, and again, the... Um, you know, you have to accept when you make a mistake. You have to acknowledge it. You have to own it. It has to be the first thing you tell the family is, is you know, you come out and say, look, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, there was this complication. This happened. You know, this is what we're doing to fix it. And it's it's uh, it's a huge issue when, when you don't when you don't own it and you don't, yeah. number one, learn from it. And number two, yeah. accept it. And, and it's, a, yeah, I agree. it's a problem. Does that therapy help you do that? <laughs> I, I stopped after after a while. <laughs> ah, but but it's, but you're but you're speaking a little language there that I I don't know if that was innate in you or whether you you came to that through therapy. I don't know. I probably had so many therapists uh, subconsciously drill into my head. Uh, so, oh my god! But no, it's been a, it's been a couple of years. So too many ex-wives calling you out. So yeah. <laughs> I right now you know I I again back to how people don't understand judgment and how wisdom and knowledge and experience informs medicine i'm having a conversation with a biochemist and you know there's a there's kind of a new strain of COVID. it seems to me out here it's been here for like about five months locally here where i am where it's a very it's sub subset of omicron and this the clinical syndrome is very specific it is three days of fever and prostration and then nothing no cough no post anything nothing it's it's and it's sometimes it's just one day and uh, and it's highly responsive to Paxlovid, which is really interesting. Uh, and I was telling this guy as a biochemist, and he's he's like, "Why do you say it's a different strain? Why do you say it's?" A-? I go, "I go, I'm, it's my. Where's the data? Where's the data? I go, the data's not in yet. We we don't. The data is something we turn to to confirm our our impressions, not to necessarily give us the evidence base for what we're doing in the moment, because." Biology is way ahead of the research. I mean, most of the stuff we're looking at on COVID now is from still Alpha and Delta or early Omicron. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just, I can't get it through this guy's head that, that the, the research is not. And by the way, and more often than not, the research is wrong if it doesn't, in, doesn't confirm what I'm seeing clinically. If they don't align, it's usually the clinical that's correct. Would you agree with all that? Uh, look, it's, you know, again, I, I look at research as also perspective, you know, almost, you know, almost any, you know, paper doesn't matter how good the journal it is that was yeah. published in, you can almost always find data or, you know, manipulate the biostatistics or, yeah. uh, you know, just change something to, yeah. to give you almost the uh, uh, contra- uh, contradicting data. So, yeah. you know, everyone's perspective is very limited and very different and you know uh you know how it reacts in los angeles to tel aviv to ethiopia you know there's so many confounding factors and so you know data when it's published in a you know a hot journal big journal obviously it helps and it's the most important and it's it's you know i respect it all but you always have to take it with a grain of salt and you know you have to look at all sides of the 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 multi-sided coin you know it's a um yeah, I know. I I absolutely agree. But you're you're saying the same thing, a little more uh, uh, politically correct. What I what I said, but 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 yeah, we're saying the same thing, which is that it informs us. It it doesn't determine. It's not deterministic. It, it's, it's not. It's uh, not a bad thing, too. It's you know. It's it's you're taking all this information, and if you have your your mind open enough to look at all the sides, at the end of the day, you know, all that information, both sides, is going to funnel down. 
Yeah. And so, you know, ho- hopefully you get to a, a path that's more clear, more, you know, looking at both sides and with Closer that, to reality. Really... We're yeah. trying to approximate reality, which, which is what yeah. the scientific method is attempting to do. Were you, yeah. as it, how does it work there uh, in terms of undergraduate training? Do you, do you have a scientific training before you go to medical school or is it all kind of? Uh, actually, I studied I studied geology and creative writing because I wanted to be in uh, overalls all day and outside. Um, and then, uh, and, but yeah, it's the same idea where you need, uh, uh, you know, I went to a, it's, it's, it's not that interesting, but uh, yeah, you need a scientific background initially to get into uh, the medical school, but you can do yeah. it, you know, a year long program and stuff like that. So yeah, you just take it all at once. Yeah. Be, be, I, I had, I had really, really good scientific training and it, 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 it makes it, when when that thinking is that critical thinking and that careful analysis of evidence is not present, it's, it jumps out at me. Uh, and so much of today's world seems like they don't understand that they don't. And and again, some of our peers aren't properly trained in that too. It seems to me humbly. I'm saying this all humbly. I'm, it's, I'm not even saying this critically. I'm just sort of observing it. I just think we we could do better. Yeah, it's uh, it's important. And it's, uh, you're right. It does train you how to think a certain way, and it's, it's, it's vital, you know. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. They help you turn browsers into buyers with Internet's best converting checkout and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star Shopify will help you at whatever stage of business you're at. And of course, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to grow to take control and take your business to that next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And their award-winning support, of course, is an important part of the success every step of the way. And businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Drew, all lowercase. That is S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Drew now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that is shopify.com slash Drew. Hey, this is Eric Griffin. And I'm Brendan Schaub. And I'm Chris D'Elia. And we are... Golden Hour. All right, yeah, dude, we are. So check it out, you know? Check it out and stuff. Funniest right? podcast in the land. Make sure you check us out. It is a grand old time. It is. It's a good time. And you can uh, subscribe to the channel and also our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash The Golden Hour the Podcast. Golden Hour Podcast. Or, or even listen for free. We're here for you. Everywhere. Yep. Stay uh, everywhere. everywhere. It's YouTube. It's all sorts of different places, dude. If you aren't seeing it, it's not because it's not where you listen, dude. how uh what else do you want people to know about what you're doing out there yeah look you know um there's a lot of good stuff going on um it's you know, I came to this hospital, Wilson Medical Center. Uh, I came to it because it's a—it's uh, not the biggest hospital, it's not the most famous hospital, but it's it's serving one of the most neglected populations. And so, you know, what we're doing with our Operating Together program is bringing the Israeli and Palestinians together. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting way to to approach it, and um, and it's. Uh, you know, again, using what I said in the beginning, trauma surgery is really a bridge to, you know, break down all the political bullshit and, you know, try to find humanity and, and one-on-one connections. I, you know, I think that's it's an interesting way to go about it. And, you know, I hope it works. <laughs> How are you finding the project? Are you feeling like it's... Uh... You know, positive. I mean, tell me more about what you know how this is working for you. Yeah, it's 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 hard to know. You know, we we you know again, you know, we can have the biggest uh, you know disaster and and you know you know between the two communities, and then the next day we have a, a course where you know ten Israeli and ten Palestinians are sitting together and training together and working together. And again, it's 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 building one on one. Uh, relationships, you know, but practically we're learning how to save lives together. We're, we're teaching ATLS, which is the, you know, the the CPR, the most basic of trauma care, which which saves lives, and that's evidence based. And and so we were training people how to save lives together. So you know, any individual goes back to their community, and they they're hopefully a, a little bit of a better physician for it. 
But you know, indirectly, we're, we're trying to build this kind of carpet and fabric of one-on-one relationships. And eventually, you know, we've trained over 200 uh, surgeons and physicians so far. And eventually, we'll hopefully have this community that's that's you know building from the ground up uh, on the most basic principles of humanity. Have you thought about maybe including nursing in this too? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and in nursing, nurses are the most important in trauma. I spend most of my time training them and working with them because you can have the most brilliant professor in trauma, but if the nurses don't work and they don't, you don't have a good teamwork and they don't yeah. work together, the, the patients can get inferior care. So yes, we're, we're incorporating nurses. Um, it's, a, it's it's vital for trauma care, and it's a, it's a huge part of the public health also. There's a famous book in this country. Uh, people, a lot of people don't know about it, but it was written in the 1950s. There was this, I don't know if he's an anthropologist or a psychologist. I don't, I don't think he was a sociologist, but he, he was trying to solve the problem of racism. Uh, and okay. he was looking at it, studying it, and trying to figure out what interventions worked. And he finally arrived at, not finally, he saw overwhelming evidence he, he, for what he titled the book, which was Contact. That exactly what you're talking about, contact, meaning relationships, is what immediately takes care of biases and, and weird racisms or you know nationalistic whatever, that literally contacting another human as human-to-human contact, it all goes away. And so what you're doing has uh, an evidence base to it. And a long history, and we keep having to relearn it, which is kind of weird to me, but I guess that's the way history works, yeah. right? Um, so it, it's, it's the perfect answer. It, it is the answer. You're doing contact based on a common passion, a common desire, common fear, common love to to you know be a good physician, to, to treat trauma patients. And, yeah. and so that, that even makes us stronger, I think. You know, you're right. And, and that, that notion of a common ethos or a common goal, you're, you're right. That, that I, don't, I never read the book. I just heard about it. I wonder if he got to that. But it see, it's intuitively makes sense to me that that, that, would, that would galvanize this. You know, it would really make it tighter, more uh, deeper relationship. Uh, and so that makes perfect sense to me. Is, is uh, anyone noticing what you're doing over there? Are they yeah, I think so. another, you know, they, we, they could recreate it in all these <laughs> other disciplines, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be surgery. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, you know, I think trauma surgery, as you said in the beginning, is very dramatic. You know, we're, yeah, we're also the dramatologist and <laughs> so that helps that helps it a bit. And so um but you know, we are getting some some very good press. We're getting noticed again. It's it's a little bit under the table also because you know we don't want to you know wave this huge PR flag, and we really want to see results. We want to help, and I think building it up from the bottom with uh, you know content uh, even more than you know action stronger than words. I think I think people will start noticing, and you know I have you know. Again, I have a, you know, we have a, you know, we try to keep communication. We talk about, you know, back and forth about patients, just on the very, you know, non-judgmental, you know, not asking where you're from, not asking what you think, yeah. you know, just trying to, you know, focus on patient care. And that's, yeah. you know, again, and that's like, hey, you know, it starts out, how are you doing? Yeah, I saw you at this course, you know, nice to see you again or nice to hear from you again. And really, that's, that's what I really is the only chance for us really to, to change the region, I think. And, you know, remember what, what peace is like and remember what justice is like and equality and and just you know living our everyday lives however everyone really 99 percent of the population wants to live you know like everything really whether it's the practice of medicine or the establishment of uh cross-cultural relationships and peace it's really person to person doing it all from on high is, is the least effective way to do stuff you know, it just is, and, and it's it, people maintain their resentments and their resistances and all their biases if, the, if somebody's telling them to do something. So it, it's kind of interesting. But you said something else I want to I want to drill out a little bit, which is uh, the dramatology. You you guys love intensity. You love intensity, yeah. and a lot of people can't do that. They they find it overwhelming or uncomfortable and that kind of stuff. But what I wanted to point out was the intensity is not reflected in how you guys behave in the moment. And when people do dramas and television shows about that intensity, they completely 
misrepresent how you guys are. The best trauma surgeons I know are like, okay, let's put in another chest tube here. Yeah, hang on, I'm going to be. I need another <laughs> a couple of units here, and just you know, just very systematic and I, almost yeah. like you said, you mumble a lot by mumbling. It's yeah. not get the IV. It's like you would you'd have a heart attack every day if that's how you are, and and it's always misrepresented. It's this is routine technical. And you got to keep your cool and not let the intensity I- infect you. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Not only that, you're you're leading the team. Everyone's yeah. looking at you for answers, yeah. and you could have, you know. It's like an opera of 10 people working together uh, and everyone's working frantically. If, if you lose your cool, yeah. the whole, the whole, everything falls apart. And it's, you know, again, inside I can be freaking out. I could be like, uh, I've been cussing. Is it okay that I use curse words? Of on course. Of uh, course. Like, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you, you can be inside. I could be losing my shit. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to die. Like, what do I yeah. need to do? What do yeah. I need to do? What do I need to do? Like, I see his family outside crying, like, yeah. uh, you know. But like inside, you got to, you know, you keep your cool. You, you know, you do everything very systematically because if you don't, you also lose your, your train of thought yeah. and you do everything you can, you know, based on, you know, what you know and what you've been trained yeah. to do and exactly what you said before, like the experience. Um, so, so and you do it every day. And, and you do it every day. So when you see those TV shows yeah. that people running around an emergency room <laughs> or running around, it's not how it works. That would, everyone would die in a week. And by the way, we would miss treat the patients and we'd be yeah. free you know we'd be making mistakes and things it just does not happen like that there can be a certain amount of sense of urgency at, at, for yeah. a few minutes you know when you're really getting things going but then you got to you settle into a rhythm essentially uh yeah and it's, no, it's also it's called it's cultural you know uh, you know our and uh, our culture here in israel a very loud culture and you'll, oh. you'll, you'll <laughs> one day you visit it and you'll you'll see it but you know again you know of course there have been times when i've lost lost it and you know it's not we're not perfect and we're, we're we're far from perfect and uh but still you know we you know we need to keep our cool and that's you know it's a huge part of giving the best care we can of course well, Dr. Goldstein, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Where, where would you like people yeah. to go to find you, to watch your progress with this project? Where should they go? Look, so uh, it's called Operating Together. We have a website, operatingtogether.org. Uh, there's an Instagram, Operating Together. Um, uh, I'm, I'm very far from a PR expert, and I'm very bad at it, but we, <laughs> we just got some PR help. And so, it, But again, you know, my email is there. Anyone can contact me freely. Um, you know, just, you know... Just, you know, my, my dream is that even the most pro-Palestinian, the most pro-Israel, you know, everyone will support us because I really, you know, it doesn't matter how religious, how right, how left you are. You know, what we care about is the patient in front of us getting the best care. And so I think I think what we're doing is for everyone and people have to understand that and see that. And, you know, I don't know if there's going to be, you know, a uh, hundred countries or one country or two countries or, you know. I- Uh-oh. Uh, it's care. We we lost you for a second there in the Zoom, but I think we got the gist of what you're just a second. Okay. But but I, that's what I was going to ask was you know do you imagine this being reproduced all over the world? And I I do. I you know, they have different qualities, but it, it can be reproduced. And, and and by the way, as we as I said earlier, not just in our discipline, it, it could be lots of other different disciplines could have similar yeah. kinds of uh, cohesive goals uh, with people from differing backgrounds that have different points of view. It's why not? Well, listen, thank you so much. And by the way, if you need any PR help or social media push or anything please let me know because this uh, seems like a highly, thank you i appreciate highly, that uh, worthwhile endeavor and uh, it's been fun spending time with you uh and uh, yeah. hopefully hopefully i'll see uh, next time in jerusalem <laughs> hopefully i'll see please. you <laughs> somewhere somewhere over there thank please. you so much thank you thank you very much and for everyone else we'll see you next time all conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the dr drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers although dr drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the american board of internal medicine and the american board of addiction medicine he is not functioning as a physician in this environment the same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com 